From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. There's this delicate balance that if you can manage to find it, your world professionally and personally can open up so much if you just stop trying to control everything and stop letting fear keep you where you are. Today on episode 55 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Mackie Musabi. By all outward appearances, Mackie was very successful in her corporate role, yet she kept feeling unfulfilled. In this episode, we discuss how Mackie overcame outside expectations to follow a career path that supported her own dreams. She became a successful entrepreneur in spite of the kind of conditioning that is common for employees. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Mackie Musavi. Mackie is a transformational coach, speaker, and author. Her mission is to help professionals who are overwhelmed, stuck, or unfulfilled despite the outward appearance of success. Mackie provides the mental tools and support to enable highly transformative personal development that focuses on reprogramming to a new mindset that is personally authentic rather than driven exclusively by outside expectations. Mackie, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. I'm really happy to be here. So Mackie, before we get into the um, sort of the core of what you do, let's start off by talking a little bit about how you ended up transitioning yourself from employee to entrepreneur. Sure. I was, you know, in my corporate career and doing very well by all outside measures. I was, you know, making the kind of money I wanted. I was in the position I wanted to be in. I had transitioned into um, a pretty decent leadership position, which was something I had been looking forward to. And I found that when I kind of had reached all of these goals and was finally where I wanted to be, that I was actually the unhappiest I had ever been. And it was a very strange place to be. I really was concerned that maybe there was something broken in my happiness mechanism that I couldn't feel the satisfaction I thought I would feel when I got to that point. And I really needed to figure out, did I need to find another job? Was it just a matter of needing a new space or a new way of thinking, a new set of responsibilities? And ultimately decided that I needed to do what I really enjoyed doing rather than doing you know, the things that looked good on paper. And at that point, I started doing a lot of very intense personal development, trying to figure out how I was going to make those changes because they were quite frankly, they were pretty scary to think about, you know, walking away from something I'd spent so many years on and that was providing security for myself and my family. But ultimately, it was the right decision. And at that point, I started to create my exit strategy, left corporate America to do what I'm doing now, which is, you know, to become a coach and wrote a book. And and now my mission is to help other people who find themselves in a similar position. Mackie, how long was it from the time you first started thinking about the fact that you were being driven by outside expectations and you actually made the decision to exit your corporate career? You know, when I think about the full timeline, it was about two years. It took me about two years. I I did what I think a lot of people do, which is try to talk myself out of it at the beginning. You know, oh, you're just having a crisis. It's going to be okay. And I could kind of get to a place where I was forging ahead and feeling all right. But I, I quickly realized as part of that process that 
that was kind of the height of what I ever was. I was just okay. I was fine. It was actually a really uh, low set of expectations that I had for how I should feel. But as I went through that process and I would kind of talk myself out of it being time to leave, there was inevitably something else that would occur in my work situation that would kind of remind me of why I wanted to leave in the first place. So then I would, it would kind of advance me a little bit at a time. And it was about a year before I ended up leaving that I realized I needed to draw a line in the sand and actually create a plan for exiting. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And what were some of those things that occurred that were like little trigger mechanisms that said, Mackie, you know, that's maybe this isn't as good as it seems? Sure. Well, I think for one thing, in my organization, I felt, and I, I do not think that this is unique by any means. I think there's a lot of corporate similarities in our culture. But for me, you know, there, the one thing that really kind of started to get to me was a culture of reactivity. It was very difficult to be strategic. It was difficult to move ahead with innovative initiatives. It felt like whenever a plan would be laid out, something would come up that was urgent and resources, time and focus would be redirected. And it ended up feeling like it was a, a full-time windshield effect kind of place to be where you were only ever able to handle whatever was coming at you in your inbox, you know, as an emergency, a fire that was popping up and it became kind of exhausting. It was just a cycle of doing a bunch of little things that were time consuming, but that weren't ultimately that valuable or that rewarding. And as a person who was leading a business unit, you know, there was a lot of downstream effects that would have on my employees, the employees that were on my team. And it was, it was challenging to keep their morale up because we were never really giving them the bandwidth to move forward with the things they were excited to do. They just kind of kept getting stuck in this place where they were trying to fix things that were broken versus trying to build new things. And that was a, a huge letdown time over time to try to have these conversations, get people excited, feel excited, but then ultimately not be able to do the things that felt exciting to do. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a really common scenario. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself when I was mm -hmm. inside organizations. I try to resist, like in my own business, I try to resist spending too much time dealing with the urgent at the risk of right. not spending time on what's important. Mm -hmm. And um, when you got over trying to talk yourself out of it and you started telling other people about your plans, what kinds of reactions did you get? You know, they were kind of all over the place. I have come to believe that, you know, you definitely figure out who your true supporters are when you're getting ready to go through a transition like that. I knew with a couple of my closest friends that if I told them, they would support me. And that's exactly what happened. I think they had more faith in me than maybe I had in myself at that point, which was an important um, reinforcing, you know, energy to get at a time when you're trying to do something that feels kind of scary. I would say among coworkers and colleagues, it was a very mixed bag. I think the most common reaction was, are you, you know, you must be crazy to walk away from this, to walk away from what you've created. Where else are you going to go? That's going to pay you this much money. You know, where else are you going to go where you work with such smart people? And, you know, the thing was that I kind of understood where that reaction was coming from, because it's one that I may have had myself a few years before I got to that point. But I also realized that it was a result of the conditioning and the programming that we experienced as 
associates in that organization. You know, there was a lot of messaging around how this is such a great place to work and some of the smartest people work here. And if you leave, you're going to want to come back. And it was, it was fascinating to see the extent to which people had really internalized that message. So I got a lot of, you know, you must be crazy. Well, what are you going to do? And then every once in a while, I would get somebody who really understood and would say, you know, I'm really excited for you. I'm envious. I wish I could do the same thing. I would say overwhelmingly, it was, you're a crazy person. And then every once in a while, it was, I wish I could do that. Mm. So how did you respond to those reactions? You know, I I knew at that point, just because of the amount of work I was doing on myself, that I was going to get those reactions. And so I really just didn't, I didn't try to convince anyone. You know, I was convinced at that point, And I would say a variation of something like, you know, this is something that I know I need to do. And I don't necessarily know what's going to happen every step along the way, but I am confident that it's the right thing and I'm going to land where I want to land. And I would kind of just leave it at that. I wouldn't, I'm a big believer that it is not our job to justify our positions. And it's great when you get somebody who can see why you're doing what you're doing. And when people don't, that's okay. It's not my job to get them on my side. Right. So you realize how important having the right mindset was for you to be able to make a transition that had some risk to it and could have been complicated. Absolutely. Yeah. Mindset, I think, is, you know, the most important thing because it's our own fears and our own hangups that stand in our way. It's not what anybody else thinks. So what were some of the things that you did to be able to help you have the right kind of mindset that would that would see you through this transition and help you create as successful an outcome as possible? I knew that the the first thing I needed to do was be really super clear on what obstacles were in my own head that I needed to get through. So I spent a lot of time journaling. I even got into meditating, which if you had told me, you know, years ago that I would do that, I would have said, that's hilarious because meditation has always felt like really hard work to me. My mind is naturally very just kind of all over the place. But I really made a point of sitting down with quiet time to do that and to journal. And I spent a lot of time in the early days writing down a lot of things that weren't very fun to realize, like what kind of self-talk was in my head, what limiting beliefs I had, how I would talk myself out of things that I wanted, how I would minimize what I wanted, and just got really clear on all of the ways that my own mind was kind of booby-trapped to keep me where I was. And it was through that being open to observation and getting out of this autopilot mode that I felt like I had been in where I was ignoring most of that that I became very clear on what needed to shift. And so then I would consciously, if I had a thought that was negative or limiting, I would just interrupt that thought with a more positive thought. So if I started to go down the path of being afraid that I was going to fail, for instance, you know, I would very quickly say to myself, everything is always working out in my favor. And I would just consistently and continuously interrupt old thought patterns in order to get myself to a place where I was doing less of that and actually letting the creativity and the ideas for what I wanted to do next flow. And, you know, it's not that the fear and the concerns weren't there, but at some point, you know, we have to accept that those are constant companions and it's the movement forward despite the presence of those issues that helps us make progress in the direction that we want to go in. Yeah, absolutely. So once you, once you decided to leave and you actually left 
what did you do and how did you build your business? Well, you know, I think the one important thing that I um, really like to tell people is when I left, I really thought I was just going to have this amazing summer. I left in June of 2017. I was really excited to have a summer free of my corporate job for the first time. I had been there for almost 13 years and um, it turned out to be one of the hardest summers of my life. And it was actually because I feel like my brain needed to unwind from being inside that experience. So the first thing that I wish I had known, but it's okay because now I can help other people realize this, is you need to give yourself some time. So I was putting a lot of things in place. You know, I had actually built a website before I ever left my corporate job. I had worked on copy. I had started to tell people what I was doing next. And that's what I tried to focus on was just connecting with people I knew. I think it can be very intimidating to enter the world of online marketing. There's so many different, you know, recommendations. There's a universe full of approaches that you can take. And I always found it reassuring and um, nice and basic to listen to the voices that said, you know, you should start with who you know and build up kind of a referral network just to get moving. And then you can start layering in these other pieces where you're really creating your online presence. So that's that's really the approach I took. I, I talked to a lot of people. I connected with people. I never said no to anyone who wanted to connect with me. And I think that served me really, really well because I was able to grow my network pretty quickly. Mm. And how long did it take until you felt like you had some sustainability in your business? I think it was about six months into my my new adventure that I was starting to sign up clients. And that felt really good to me. So by the beginning of the following year in January, I had several clients signed up to work with me. And that was a great feeling because, you know, it was not only my opportunity to actually bring in some income, but I knew that I was really going to figure out my processes and though trying to, you know, kind of perfect whatever I had decided to start with, I was just going to do a lot of learning. And I think that's a really key piece as well. I never had the assumption that anything needed to be perfect or that it was going to be perfect when I started. I knew that there was an element of stumbling forward that was necessary. And that also was very helpful because instead of, you know, getting down on myself, if something didn't quite go the way I wanted it to go, I would just treat it as a learning opportunity and make the adjustments and keep going forward. Yeah, that, that's really smart. And, um, and fast forward to today, who do you primarily serve and how do you do it? I primarily serve, you know, what I like to call the high achievers. You know, I, I called my book the high achievers guide because I think people who are wired with type A personalities, uh, it's a lot, they're a little more risk averse maybe naturally than people who just enter the world of entrepreneurship maybe earlier in their um, professional lives. And I love to work with people who are either, you know, aspiring to be at a certain level in their career or have reached a level very similar to where I was, where they should be really happy and they don't understand why they're not. And I really enjoy working with higher level executives who have responsibility for people under them that they can really influence in a positive way. Because when you get into that corporate structure, like many of us have experienced, there's so many layers of expectations and frameworks that it's very difficult to find truly authentic leadership that isn't just repeating the lines that have been laid out from a corporate perspective. And those leaders really have the opportunity to impact the people that are working under them in a very positive way. So I love to work with the higher level people who have teams or at the C-level, C-suite level to make a real impact, even if they can't necessarily change everything 
across the organization, you know, you start somewhere. And if they can start with their own little department, I think that's super helpful to do. So it sounds like the tools and the frameworks that you use are equally applicable to people that are staying inside the corporate arena and those that are transitioning from corporate to entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Yes. I think, you know, a lot of people just believe that corporate is what it is and they're stuck with whatever they've experienced. And I don't believe that's true. It's important for people to ask for what they want, to learn to speak up, to get clear on what those things are. And then if you can't get that inside of your corporate structure, then you need to look at alternatives. It could be that the alternative is going to another company that will give you those things, or it may be that that is the kind of transition point to enter something and do something entrepreneurial. Right. And and is the is the common theme for the kind of work you do looking at how to discard the outside expectations? That's absolutely a key component. It's we've been taught from such an early age, you know, the reward system of if you do X, then you will get Y, whether that's a reward or an award or a promotion or more money that we just kind of get boxed into this place where we're just following the rules in order to get that validation. And in fact, it's exactly why most people end up unhappy. It's because it's not our own personally identified rules and expectations. And it's really important to shed those at the same time that you're really looking at, you know, how do I let fear kind of take the wheel and how do I move forward and deal with uncertainty when a lot of people who are built this way are so used to setting a goal and then, you know, just taking the steps to reach it. Like it really creates this false sense of control where we can just shoot for something and get there. And I also think the other challenge is that we have a very limited view of what we're actually capable of because we never really set our sights very high. And there's an element of allowing, you know, opportunity and ideas to come in that's very difficult to do when you're in this limited framework of just doing what somebody else has laid out for you. So there's this whole piece around, you know, as you're letting go of what other people think you should be doing, also looking at the ways in which you keep yourself from moving forward and the way that you keep not knowing what comes next is kind of a, a scary barrier when in fact you can open up new and exciting opportunities by not insisting on knowing what's happening next. And there's this delicate balance that if you can manage to find it, your world professionally and personally can open up so much if you just stop trying to control everything and stop letting fear keep you where you are. Mm. Maki, are there some basic steps that people need to go through in order to lead happier lives as a result of pushing away those outside expectations and and recognizing how this whole reward system fails to help us achieve what we really want? Yes. And I really believe the key is to start with that exercise of trying to get out of the autopilot mode where you're not even aware of your internal chatter and the ways in which you are going about your day-to-day life and how many times you're telling yourself it's going to be fine or okay. And the things that you're worrying about, you know, sometimes this is a difficult exercise. So I even tell people just start by paying attention to what you worry about. And when do those worries and fears pop up and start writing those down so that you can be more aware when those thoughts pop up in your mind so that you can get into that habit of kind of catching yourself and redirecting to a different thought or a different 
expectation for yourself. And as you're doing that, you know, realizing that it's really just these tiny little baby steps. I think sometimes people get really overwhelmed and think, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years. It's going to take me forever, or it's not possible to unwind the way that I operate. But it's really just these little baby steps. If you just do them a few minutes a day, every day, you kind of build up this new mental muscle around thinking in a very different way. And you have that clarity and then you can figure out like, what's a small step I can take in the right direction if I'm afraid of something? Well, is there something I can do that doesn't feel super risky, but maybe is slightly risky in a way that I can tolerate and take that step first and then kind of let things unfold? So there's a way of identifying, you know, what's an inspired action step you can take instead of what a lot of high achieving people do, which is try to architect an entire outcome with all the details. So it really forces you to back off and just take what I call the following the breadcrumbs approach, which is there's usually an obvious next step right in front of you. Just take it. Don't worry about what comes after it. The next breadcrumb will be laid out for you. Mm. Yeah, that's really smart. So Mackie, you've clearly done a lot of thinking about what you're capable of. You help other people identify and think about big steps, what, what they're capable of. What's your big dream? My big dream is to really be able to reach the people who are in this category. One of the things that I find frustrating is that a lot of people who are high, high achieving people who are meeting the expectations, making good money are the exact people who could make huge changes in the world if they were not in a place where their own unhappiness was kind of keeping them self-focused, which is exactly where I was. I think when you're in a place where you're not happy and you're miserable, it's very difficult to think about other people. But there's a lot of power in this group that if they were doing what lit them up and felt fulfilling, that that would create more bandwidth for seeing the world around them and how they can contribute in positive ways to other people, other causes, you know, whatever those may be. And it's my hope that by reaching enough people who are kind of in this place where they're super smart and they're very capable, but they're tolerating a lot of miserable circumstances, if they can break free of that, then that unleashes some power and energy and focus to go to the collective and what that needs in order to advance and get better. That's a great dream. Thank you for sharing that. Mackie, if somebody wants to go deeper with what you've shared today or they want to learn more, access any resources you have, where would they go? Well, you can find me on all the social media platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I also have a website, which is just my first and last name.com. And I'm um, sure that they can see the spelling. It's probably the best way if you post that. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm available in all those places. You can always feel free to directly reach out to me through one of those mediums. And we, we will put the links in the show notes. So please Perfect. check them out. Mackie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your experiences and your insights. My guest today has been transformational coach Mackie Musabi. Thank you again, Mackie, for joining us. Thanks, David. It was great to be here. Thank you. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learn the importance of discarding outside expectations to achieve what fulfills you and much more. 
If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.